Welcome to Sports BKC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, October 13th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking soccer today with Sean Goodwin and covering plenty of topics, starting with KC NWSL coming off one of its most impressive results of the season, a scoreless draw with Portland. We chat about Sporting Kansas City and the U.S. men's national team as well. The U.S. team continues its World Cup qualifying play tonight against Costa Rica, and we take up the cause of Kansas City as a World Cup host in 2026. Okay, let's get started talking soccer with Sean Goodwin. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm splendid, Blair. I've got plenty to talk about, so I need to, uh, need to wake myself up this morning because I can't be tired for this one. Absolutely not. Um, first of all, we got a couple of games today. Ideally, we would have done this later in the week and we would have discussed the results of some games, but we're going to choose this week to advance a couple of, of games, one of which is KCNWSL playing tonight against the Houston Dash and the women coming off, I don't know, would you consider it the best result of the season for them, the scoreless draw against Portland on, on Sunday? I mean, I, I wouldn't call it the best results of the season. Um, Just given the, the, the you have Portland's in first, and yeah, I mean, you you look back, and of course, they've got victories. You know, going back over, um, oh, rain was a pretty good result. Um, you know, you had a nil nil tagging North Carolina Courage, which was up there. But yeah, no, it's definitely. I don't know if you call it your best result per se. It's up there, but at least when it comes to performance, maybe it's definitely one of the best performances because, as you said, it was first-place Portland Thorns. Um, and Kansas City not only held them to a nil-nil tie, uh, they were definitely on the back foot for the second half, but you know they looked pretty much got equal as well. So it was a good game to watch. What, what stood out? Obviously, the defense. Um, seemed like there were a couple of good saves in there too. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's pretty much what you said. It was kind of a good defence for sure. In the first half, a big point of emphasis, I'd say, was um, the ability for KC to switch the points of attack. Uh, just because Portland has that midfield diamond. Um, I mean, I remember games earlier this season. I can't remember specific teams, but... You know, like that's something that Kansas City was attempting to do back when you were a little bit more than you a team, you know, switching our points of attack, rotating around the diamond. And um, that's something they struggle with. And that's why they, get, they would get pinged back for, you know, 70, 75 minutes a game. Um, but, you know, this game that just happened um, this past weekend, yes, the first half wasn't, you know, the most exciting. Kansas City did score. Um, a goal that was disallowed that honestly I don't think should have been disallowed um, you know Kristen Hamilton broke through after pretty much um, Aaron Menges seemed to have stumbled into Hamilton who then fell into Becky Sabron who of course we know from yeah, FCKC back in the days here and you know, Hamilton goes through, scores past Bella Bixby, nice little finish, and it's called back because of a foul on Salbrun, which I, I don't think it was. It was pretty soft, but it's what it is. Outside of that, pretty, 
pretty quiet first half. But again, you know, when you're playing a first place team, if it's quiet, you're doing something right, aren't you? And then, yeah, second half kind of got pinged back a bit. But you know, no draw, so you can't really complain about it. I like French had a nice uh, save on a on a corner kick in about the seventy third, seventy fourth minute. Um, really, really nice job. And and I think this is right. Is it? 230 minutes of holding an opponent scoreless on home field, uh, something like that. It's it's incredible. It's a really nice uh, streak going for KCNWSL. Yeah, um, I guess the last time there was a, it was a season at home would be Louisville in that 2-1 win back in August. Now, obviously, there's been a couple of breaks because of international playing and whatnot. So, August seems so far away now. Um but, you know, even now went, I believe, five home games um, without without losing. If they've won two of those and they've tied three. And the three ties have all been nil-nil. So, in the last five home games, they've conceded once. And I was in a 2-1 win. So, you know, on the road, obviously, that's kind of the next step. How, how do they pick up points on the road? But they've... They finally made Legends feel as a bit of a fortress and hopefully that carries into Children's Mercy Park next year. Right. And listen, when a team's having a, a season that KCNWSL is having, all you can ask is that they improve throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, stay interested. Uh, look, you know, look interested like they're trying. And that that's the case here. They're, they're you know, they, they don't have the personnel to match up with other teams, most other teams in the league. But uh, I think this, this run over the last several weeks has proved that they're, you know, that, that they're in there, right? They're they're gutting it out, and um, and, and, and they're, you know, credit to Hugh Williams and, uh, and and the and the coaching staff for having having these women play the way that um, you know uh, that they have over the last few weeks. Yeah, for sure, and honestly, Blair, you can, Especially if Kansas City managed to pull out a win tonight again it's here in Kansas City. Uh will be two points behind Louisville. And then Kansas City's last three games, Chicago on the road, followed by Gotham and OL Rain, both in Kansas City. Um, at that point, you you can maybe start dreaming about you know, stealing ninth place after sitting rock bottom all season. Um, because Louisville's End of the season ain't exactly, you know, easy. You've got Orlando, who's been flying high, and then home and home and home kind of deal against say Gotham FC to finish the season. So, yeah, uh, definitely. If they, especially if they win tonight, you've got three games to overtake Louisville, and I think that should be his team's goal at this point: just steal away ninth place and not finish bottom of your first season. Hey, before we move on from the the women's team, let's. Uh, let's at least uh, acknowledge what happened in the in the first yeah. uh, early in the game at the six minute mark. Um, game game was underway, and at six minutes, the game essentially came to a halt, and the teams met at midfield and 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 basically um, you know had had a, had a silent protest over the events that we talked about last week. Of course, that were. Uh, well chronicled by the athletic, the you know the, the sexual abuse of of coaches and the sort of the willful willful ignorance of uh, of management and and administrative league administrators on this. So 
I, did this happen throughout the MLS uh, or the, the, the NWSL uh, on, on uh, weekend games? Yeah, it actually started on the Wednesday prior. Um, there were three games, so six teams, um, including uh, Portland, actually. So Portland did it a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there was at least a couple of questions if, you know, heading into the weekend of teams do it, especially teams who have already done it on the Wednesday. Um, but Kansas City doesn't have a chance. And, you know, Portland was more than happy to, you know, continue that demonstration and, um, you know, I guess speaking out against the ignorance of the league. So, yeah, now, I mean, you kind of covered it well, Blair, and we talked last week about the reasons why. So I know we have plenty of other stuff to talk about, but it, it was good to see. It was a powerful moment. And, Good um, videos on my Twitter as well, about 45 seconds of the players coming together. You know, everyone in the stands was applauding. So, you know, it was a powerful moment for sure. Very good. Okay, as we said, uh, Houston Dash at Legends Field tonight. And looking at the forecast, it looks like the rain will be gone. So, uh, but bring a jacket, right? It's um, lows in the, or highs in the low 60s tonight. Uh, should be. Should be fun. Uh, just a few games left for KC NWSL, and a few games just just a few games left at Legends Field. As you said, they're moving to Children's Mercy Park next season. I will say, yeah, tonight's, tonight's game is a buy one get one as well. So if you're quick, buy one get one tickets. Excellent. So if you have nothing to do and you hear this podcasting time, here's a here's a date night for you. There you go. Get over there. Um, listen, I. Uh, I've been struck by the the images of the of families and kids uh, attending the games, and and we've talked about this. And I know we we spent some time talking with Ali Trost about this also on previous podcasts. It's just how fan friendly this team is, and how they they'll they'll, they'll spend as uh, almost as much time as anybody wants to after a game to visit and greet fans. Yeah. It is a great experience and you're not going to get closer to professional athletes than, uh, than what KCNWSL uh, offers after, after home games. So it really is, um, it really is a great experience that I would recommend for anybody to, to head out there, especially if you've got kids. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, it's getting a little bit better nowadays, at least for, for us, the journalists in that. You know, I, I wait in the tunnel for the players and chat to who I want and go a little bit quicker nowadays. But I still remember that first game we won. Um, I was waiting at least an hour for even for players just to leave the field because they were, you know, pictures of fans and signing autographs. And it was it was a great scene. So thankfully for me, go a little bit quicker nowadays. But now it's great. <laughs> All right, let's switch teams, Sean. Talk about Sporting Kansas City, and there was a kind of a disturbing story that broke after we recorded last week's podcast, and uh, involves uh, Felipe Hernandez. Why don't you just take us through what what was uh, discovered, what was announced, what you wrote, and we've got a link to the story in the show notes, and of course, it's on KansasCity.com. But kind of a, a troubling story that I hope has a happy ending. Yeah, you hope it's got a happy ending, but um, yeah, essentially, uh, Felipe Hernandez, you know, he he played on July 4th and then, you know, he's playing well for sports and he's doing a great job. And then we hear nothing of him. He's gone for personal reasons. And then last week, it comes out that, you know, MLS Soccer releases that 
he's uh, he's been suspended for um, gambling on MLS games, which is very much in league rules. Uh, which you know, right off the bat, you we don't hear a lot of that nowadays in you know professional sports. We always go back to Pete Rose when we hear stuff like that. Um, but now Felipe, he uh, he came towards Sporting KC on July fifth, the day after the game. Came to Peter Vermees and said, "Hey, I've got gambling debt, and he's worried for his safety." You know, that can mean plenty of things when it comes to gambling world, right? And we don't know the specifics on if the decks are even paid off, um, why he feared for his safety. I was all kind of kept, you know, in with Felipe and law enforcement. But yeah, he uh, came forward to Peter Vermees. They got him the help that he immediately needed. Um, but through MLS and police investigation, it was found that he's better on two MLS games. Uh, I'm sure, you know, plenty, plenty of other games as well, um, throughout different sports, which different sports, you know, certainly not um, recommended, but you can as a player bet on other sports. But now, two MLS games, and that was the issue. Uh, the report found none of them were sports and KC games. Felipe doesn't have any inside knowledge. Um, and he can apply to be reinstated on January 1st, 2022. But yeah, no, just disturbing. Just in the fact that Felipe came out on Twitter, like once it was all published and said, you know, I have a gambling addiction. He's seeking help. He went through counseling and, you know, he was sent to a rehab facility. So, like you said, Blair, hopefully there's a happy ending in that. He's a 23-year-old kid. I say kid, I'm 25 this month. Not much younger than me. Um, but, you know, yeah, he's a young soccer player. So for him to come forward to get help, that takes a lot of bravery. And, you know, hopefully, you know, he gets past this, he feels safe and he can come back just as strong because Pisa says he's 100% welcome back um, if he's ring stasis. You know, uh, gambling is, in the, at least in the United States, is becoming more prevalent, right? As, as states uh, introduce uh, a wagering, and Missouri and Kansas don't have it yet, but they're going. To, it's going to happen in these states, and it's in I don't know, fifteen, twenty states now. I mean, there are ways to do this that don't involve being, uh, you know, getting caught up in sort of nefarious folks. And uh, and that sounds like that's what happened here in this case. That if, if the, the the amount of money that he owed and, uh, and and fearing for his safety. So, yeah. Again, I, I hope it's uh, I hope the story has a happy ending. It sounds like it's on its way to having uh, a happy ending. So, um, so Sporting doesn't play. They're on a break, right? They don't play again until Sunday. They're at Vancouver and. Uh, I got to tell you, when I look at the standings or the tables, uh, whatever you prefer, I, I finally see, you know, Kansas City and just about everybody else with the same number of games played. And it was always frustrating, right, to see sporting with two games more than Seattle or Colorado or that sort of thing. Everybody's played 28 games at this point going into tonight's or going, yeah, tonight's games. Kansas City's five, uh, five points behind Seattle. It's going to be tough to make that up. Uh, yeah. And but now they're trying to stave off Colorado, which is a point behind Sporting, and um, so it begins on Sunday. You know, the, the the home stretch begins Sunday at Vancouver, and this is a playoff team, obviously. 
They are chasing first place where they finished last year. Going to be tough for them to do that, though, to, to, to get there, isn't it? Yeah, I think what Sporting really need is Seattle to lose one of their remaining games. And then, obviously, Sporting basically win out, which includes playing a Seattle. And I think we chatted about this last week as well, Blair. And, uh, you know, yeah, the face isn't in Sporting Casey's hands unless Seattle tie. If Seattle ties in a different game, Sporting can try and catch up on goal difference. They're only five behind, which is a bit of a mountain to climb. But again, they play Seattle, so we could take a good chunk out there. Or the other um, alternative is, yes, Seattle lose game and the Sporting game, and then Sporting can overtake them. But that's a lot of if, books, maybes, and whens. Um, I think the more realistic goal is, yes, stay off Colorado, secure second. Um, and at that point, you've got home field's advantage through the playoffs until you as a shoe, the, um, the conference final of Seattle and Sporting both make it that far. So it's seven teams that make it into the playoffs uh, from each conference and Sporting is, is, is well, uh, they you know, may have already mathematically clinched, I don't know, but, uh, uh, but there is going to be a, a real fight for some of the final positions in, um, in, in the Western Conference. So the, the bracket won't take shape for, for a few more weeks. Um, so, Sean, uh, what, uh, you know, as we said earlier in the show, uh, there are a couple of matches today, tonight, that are of interest. Uh, one is, of course, KCNWSL. You'll be there. The other one is the U.S. men's national team, and they are in Columbus, Ohio, taking on Costa Rica, U.S. men's national team coming off a loss to Panama, I should say at Panama. And things have been going well for Greg Burkholder's team uh, until this loss. And, of course, whenever the U.S. men's national team loses, it's, you know, within the the American soccer community, it's a crisis. I just cannot imagine what it's like to be in England or France or Italy or Brazil, where the nation is the soccer community and there's a – there's a loss or say a one, one draw with Hungary, which is what happened earlier this week with, with England. Um, but within the soccer community, a lot of gripes about, uh, about the outcome. And it does put a little pressure on the U S team. It would be a good idea for the U S to, to hold serve at home and pick up three points. They are second in the, uh, in the eight nation standing and top three advanced. And the only reason they're second is they're second on goal differential so I think with Panama and Canada's looming in third right there, uh, top three advance, the fourth team uh, gets into a, a, a sort of a play in playoff for the World Cup out of, uh, out of, out of this part of the world. So uh, a lot of pressure on, on U.S. to especially after not making it four years ago. Yeah, um, you, you kind of kind of covered it all right there, Blair. Um, well, now lose lost to Panama most recently, um, which yeah, you know, it's US has historically struggled in Panama, but like you said, this is a uh, pressure on, and this is supposed to be a new team, a new team that you know should be dominating Concacaf hopefully, and you know we, we've had these discussions, and I, I think I remember I got heated a little while ago, and that yes, back in the past, ties on the road against the likes of Panama and. 
you know, Honduras and, you know, Costa Rica, obviously, that's a home coming up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Sean, what about Gianluca Busio? He's, he's a member of the U.S. men's national team. Uh, I don't believe he traveled to Panama. I, 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 I don't know. I know he didn't play. So, um what uh, what are the be great for you know local soccer here for John Lucabusio to be a member of a of a U.S. men's national team that goes to the World Cup happened in 2014 when both Bram Zusi and Matt Beisler were part of that uh, with the U.S. men's national team that played in the World Cup. So uh, prospects of uh, John Lucabusio being a you know a, a, a playing member of this team. Yeah, hopefully. Um... Yeah, you hope that he gets a game in this cycle. You know, they brought him in. Um, the first game of this break, he wasn't even included in the squad because it's only a 23-man squad. Um, so he wasn't even around for the uh, Jamaica game. You know, Panama, he doesn't get in. And then Greg Berhalter said he hopes to get um, Buzio some playing time in a World Cup qualifier. On the flip side, you know, as we were saying, you've just lost to Panama on the road. Um, and I think seven points out of nine was the minimum out of this window. Nine out of nine would have been great. And all of a sudden, they've lost the game and they're now behind Mexico and they have to beat Costa Rica. And, you know, me personally and lots of other people think Buzio would help this midfield a lot. Um, with his, you know, his forward thinking mindset and capacities he's able to play. But at the end of the day, that's not where Greg Bearholster is. And, you know, he's, again, the Buzio doesn't have World Cup qualifying experience. And in a walking out, again, feels like a must-win game just because he got lost to Panama against a uh, must-win game against Costa Rica. It depends if Bearholster puts him in because, again, he's he's probably going to go for his strongest squad or the guys he trusts most. Um Right now, it's not Buzio, so it'd be nice to see. Um, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, look, um, that was the first loss, by the way, in like 12 games. I think they were, they'd been 9 0 and 2 in their previous 11 in, in that internationally. So, you know, not a 
they've been they've played okay. I mean, they they've, they've been they've been good. But I'll tell you what, if if the U.S. doesn't qualify for the 2022 World Cup, then oh, oh. it's like our our sex soccer so far back in this country. Um, yeah, well, but hey. listen, temporarily because of the, the four years hence, right? They're going to automatically qualify for 20. Hey. Well, being 2026, Blair, don't you worry. <laughs> right. So, all right. Um, well, speaking of 2026, uh, at that event last week, uh, media event at Children's Mercy Park, we uh, that, that was part of one, one of the several topics that was covered by. Peter Vermees and Hugh Williams and Vladko Andonovsky, but uh, um, the site selection for the World Cup is upon us. It's, uh, it's ne- I believe it's next week. And there's a, there's a speaking of upcoming events, there's one tomorrow that I know you'll attend. I'm going to go down there. The, one of the streetcars is going to be uh, decked out in 20, you know, World Cup 2026 Kansas City bid um, mm-hmm. regalia. So, um, I liked what I liked what Peter Vermees had to say about it. I asked him, "Does Kansas City's, you know, small market size hurt or help or indifferent in the bid?" And he, you know, he went on to say that, you know, he thinks it can help. It's, you know, there, there's not a big traffic issue in Kansas City. The facilities are, you know, are, are probably as good as any city that's bidding. It's just that Kansas City's one of 17 U.S. cities. Um, that is bidding for the 2026 World Cup to have games here. And I think only 11 of those cities are going to be selected. So um, I'll see you out there tomorrow, Sean. But do you have a, a sense, a vibe of, of how the, the World Cup uh, candidacy of Kansas City is going? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it, it, Kansas City will definitely come down into that, you know, the cities will be kind of on the edge of, you know, will we get it, will we not? Because I think you can toss in a couple of locks. So, you know, they'll do uh, New York's and LA's and, you know, probably Chicago. No, you not know. Chicago. Chicago didn't oh, do sorry, it. Oh, Miami. Yeah, is, yeah, I think actually, Miami is yeah. one that is kind of considered a, a lock just because that, that was surprising, actually, that Chicago didn't bid, put in a bid uh, and, and, and probably helps – Kansas City's chances as a Midwestern destination for uh, for the World Cup, but how about the facilities that Peter talks about? Yeah. You're out there. I mean, there's uh, um, everybody has facilities, but I, I just think that what what Kansas City can offer is not necessarily available in a Cincinnati or a Nashville or Denver. Even you know maybe some cities that Kansas City could be competing against. Yeah, um, you know, it, it's the soccer facilities that make a difference. I mean, it's not just the, you know, stadiums to play in, uh, because I think for the World Cup, I mean, they'll be looking to play in Arrowhead because of the size. Right. That's, right. Gr- that's great if, you know, huge teams coming to town. But here's my thing, Blair, and I've been saying this the whole time, and I don't think the World Cup committee is listening to me on this one. But, um, you know, because plenty of games, especially if you watch the World Cup and it's going to be an expanded World Cup, there's going to be a lot of smaller teams, all these teams from far away that are playing in these games. So I end up getting a game that is, you know, it could be Panama versus Ghana or something, you know. That type of game, I'd love for it to fill out uh, 
arrowheads. But if, if you watch all games of capacity, those early group stage games, you know, they attract a decent crowd from people in the area and a few people who've travelled to see their team. But Toss going to um, Children's Mercy Park, um, 18,000 people. You can probably fill you know, 18,000 and you've got a great atmosphere. It's tight and you're not sitting in huge arrowheads with 50,000 empty seats, you know. But anyway, that, that's my that's my spiel of what I've been saying for a while. You look like you're about to say something, Blair. Do you have anything on that? Well, all I, all I would add would be, um, you know, once, once the sites are identified, it'll be interesting to see, look, when the site selection folks are here, and they're going to tour all the facilities, right? They'll, they'll go to Arrowhead and they'll go to Children's Mercy Park. They'll go to the um, the, the training facilities and, and even That's a big the, pass, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure they'll even go up to Riverside where the U.S. women's team or the, uh, the KCNWSL is going to have their new facility. But uh, once, you know, I think once you're, you're, you've identified the stadium, uh, which will be Arrowhead, and uh, whether it's, you know, Ghana versus, you know, Korea or, you know, France versus Brazil, it's going to end up being in the same place. I, I like your thought, though, to have a 20,000 seat stadium available for a game that might not have the interest, uh, hold the interest level. Um, but I, I think that I, I don't know if that's happened in, in World Cup. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, in, in, one thing, and we'll talk about this at a future show because we're running out of time here, but one thing that, that, that uh, is, I'm curious about is when nations held World Cups previously, what was Russia in the previous Men's World Cup and uh, Brazil before that, and I believe uh, South Africa in 2010, none of those countries have the amount of cities with populations that the U.S. is offering uh, the, the World Cup. So... Uh, there, there had to be instances in those previous World Cups where you had matches that were, were not very attractive, not necessarily attractive on a on a world stage. But uh, did did fans in those cities in Russia, in Brazil, in in South Africa fill their stadiums? Probably not stadiums as large Thanks, as the, one the U.S. is offering. No, no, not, not even close. So, you know, I say the points I'm saying because I. You know, I've been watching the sport since I was a wee kid. I think the earliest World Cup I vaguely remember would be 2002, which was Brazil, I believe. No, that was in uh, Japan and oh, South Japan. Korea. Japan, shared yeah. It. yeah. Um, but, but Brazil won it, actually. They did, beat Germany. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, now it's, and you know, I think all the way back then, all the World Cups I've seen, yeah, because the games with, you know, lesser populated teams or, or not populated, but, you know, teams that aren't as high up the ladder of soccer dominance and their fans have to travel across the world and stuff. Yeah, there's, I've seen plenty of games where it's just half empty stadiums and stuff. And I, I just look at those kind of, uh, I look at those games and I say, if you put that in a 20, 30,000 stadium opposed to a 50,000, You'd have a much better atmosphere. Um, but alas, I didn't think I'm going to do it. But well, I like, said, but, I like yeah. how you think about it. I think that's a forward uh, way of thinking about it. Let's take advantage of the facilities that are available to yeah. you. You know, that's yeah. I, that makes all the sense in the world to me. That that should be on the table when 
uh, when the FIFA folks make their site site visits uh, next week. Yeah, I'm sure you know plenty of people are listening to this, me included. You know, if I'm still covering soccer in 2026, I'd love to cover the World Cup. If I'm not doing soccer, uh, I'd probably buy tickets. If it is Ghana versus Panama, I don't care. It's a World Cup game in my hometown. You know, I'll be buying tickets if I'm going as a fan. I'm sure plenty sure. of other people will. Sure. But can you ask a question? Are there 20,000 other people like myself who would buy tickets for two random teams in a World Cup, you know? And I'm sure it wouldn't be very um, very cheap. So at that point, yeah, it, it, there's a lot that goes into it. But sorry for taking us off course here, Blair. But, you know, Kansas City, Greece, you've got again. Swope Park, uh, Riverside, you've got the... Um, yeah, the Compass Minerals National Performance Centre where sporting and US practice and training. Um, obviously, you've got the soccer fields down in OP, which you've got Olaf Garmin, which I know they're more just kind of, you know, what big soccer facilities for youth soccer. But again, very nice fields that teams can absolutely take advantage of. So on the soccer side, Casey's got a lot going for it. Yeah, I did see a really interesting... Um, it was an overhead of Kansas City. And, you, know, you see these massive cities. I was just chatting to a friend out in Colorado and he said the traffic in Denver is a nightmare because, you know, the, the highway basically goes through the city and it's above ground and like, good traffic just gets gridlocked. And plenty of other big cities are like that. Um, Kansas City, I think the only highway that goes through it, correct me, Blair, go on, that goes right past the uh, Star's office. Which one is that? Uh, Interstate 70. It kind of goes underground and the rest of the highways around Kansas City is basically in a circle. And I know Arrowhead and whatnot get out of the city, but a lot of the tourism is going to be coming into Kansas City. And you've got a really nice highway system that basically doesn't clog, clog up the city. It's right around with I-70 that cooks underground basically through the middle of the city. So transport's great. You know, you've got the, uh, the new airport, the terminal being built. You've got the streetcar. So Kansas City's got a lot going for it. And I know Peter talked about it himself, just about location and being being in the middle of the Midwest and not too many cities around us to compete. It's, uh, Casey's got a lot going for it. I think he's done a good chance. All right, we're going to hear from Peter Vermees uh, in a moment. And this is what Peter Vermees had to say about the World Cup. But for now, we're going to bid farewell to Sean. Great conversation. Love spanning the globe with you, Sean, talking soccer. And stay warm tonight when uh, KCNWSL plays the Houston Dash. We'll talk to you again next week. So, I wanted to ask you quickly about the World Cup and, and the site selections coming. What end of the month? By yeah. the end of the month, what are you expecting? What do you What do you want to show them when they're here? I, I think. Um, well, I, I think the first thing is our, and it's a big part of right the facilities. That's a that speaks for itself. We we have it all here, um, so I think that's a really big positive um, for us. And the other thing is is that a lot of the people that are coming have already been here for other events, so that helps as well. Um, always uh, how the the public, you know, supports the games is an important aspect um, too. But the rest I think is already there. I mean, you, you come to this stadium. We, you know, we have uh, Arrowhead, we have, we have, um, you know, our two training facilities. I mean, we have the facilities. And then I also think the other thing too is, is that maybe it doesn't get discussed a lot, but it's, it's, it's very easy to get around in this city for the teams as well. Whereas, look, I've been in 
Olympics, World Cup myself as a player. And I know what it's like to go to some of those places and how much the traffic can be a real burden on the team and, and just getting around. And so here it's, it's really manageable. And I, I think sometimes, you know, people don't mention that, but I think that's a big part of it as well. And we've been living this now for years, right? The, the, the bidding process. Um, you know, you've got the, you said the facilities are great over here, but if, if Kansas City didn't get games, what would be the level of disappointment? You think? It, I mean, it would be high. I think the other thing too is you, you then, you then hope that you become sort of a, a, uh, pre World Cup training environment. Because again, we have so much here. Um, that frankly, a lot of other places don't have, they don't have the facilities that we do. So, you know, I mean, that's second best, but obviously we want to be, a, we, we want to be one of the, one of the uh, venues for sure. Hey, Peter, getting back to the world cup, just as you know, you've been a kind of a spokesperson for the city at large and as Kansas city becomes more of a destination place, you know, how important is it that soccer is part of that narrative, this new narrative? Well, out? yeah, I, I think again, when you look at what's happened since and I used 2011 since we opened the stadium. The growth just, forget about, you know, just Sporting Kansas City, but the growth of the game in this in this area where, you know, Sporting Kansas City is, is, is a big part of that landscape, but so is the youth uh, part of the game as well. And I think as that continues to grow as it is, I, I think we've become extremely relevant in, in the national market, for sure, in soccer. Um, you know, I... I have a lot of respect for a lot of other areas in the, in the country, but there's no doubt that this place has changed immensely since even I played here in 2000 and, you know, in 2000, 2001, 2002, it's changed immensely. And it's, and it has a lot to do with our ownership group and sort of their commitment and pledge to, you know, really connecting this club with the community. Um, and, and, and I think all of that has resonated. And that's why a lot of clubs that are coming new into MLS come here and, use this as a stopping ground to, to, Hey, this is what they do. Look at their stadium. So a lot of stadiums that have taken a big jump from this place because they're new and they've seen everything that we've done and they've tried to replicate a lot of that stuff. So I would say that we're definitely there. Can, can market size and geography play a role in favor of Kansas city when this comes I, down to one of the 17? I would like to think so. That That's what I was saying earlier, because I think sometimes what happens is, is that you go to these big cities and it's, it's hard to manage, you know, a team in those big cities, getting them around. Um, there's a lot here that could that could really work um, for us being a venue. There's a lot, and I and I, you know, not to not to be redundant, but you, you can't take away the facilities. You can't take away how you get around the city. Um, and, and then look, I I'm from New Jersey. I I consider myself probably more of a Kansan now than than a New Jerseyan. And, People here are great. It's just a great environment. So I, I think any any group of teams that were here in a venue, I think they would have an incredible experience. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Big thanks to Sean Goodwin for stopping by and talking soccer. You can read his stuff and all soccer stories on KansasCity.com. Hey, you know about the Morning Sports Edition, right? Now, if you don't, let me tell you about it. On KansasCity.com, you go to the Stars E-Edition. That's a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. 
Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the e-edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner that says All Editions. Click on that, and you can access about, I don't know, 15, 20, 25, even 30 pages of sports. Maybe you get it on a, through a link in your email. I do. That's uh, It's always there by about 6 in the morning. But either way, it's access to complete coverage of the previous day's sports news, features, statistics, everything. It's fantastic. Hey, thanks for reading The Star and for listening to our podcast lineup. You're helping support the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and we couldn't produce programs like Sports Beat KC without you. We'll be back on Thursday with another episode.